Chapter Ten of Master of the Vineyard by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Little Brown Mouse. Rosemary peered into the letter box and saw that the household guardian was there. On one Thursday it had failed to appear, and she had been unable to convince Grandmother of her entire innocence in the matter even on the following day when she brought it home in the original wrapping she felt herself regarded with secret suspicion as it never had failed to come on thursday why should it unless rosemary for some reason best known to herself had tampered with the united states mail there was also a letter and rosemary waited eagerly for the postmaster to finish weighing out two pounds of brown sugar and five cents worth of tea for old mrs sims she pressed her nose to the glass and squinted but the address eluded her still she was sure it was for her and very probably from alden whom she had not seen for ten days she felt a crushing sense of disappointment when she saw that it was not from alden but it was addressed in an unfamiliar hand regardless of the deference she was accustomed to accord a letter she tore it open hastily and read my dear rosemary can you come to tea on saturday afternoon about four we have a guest whom i am sure you would like to meet affectionately your mother the words were formal enough and the quaint stateliness of the handwriting conveyed its own message of reserve and distance but the signature thrilled her through and through mother she repeated in a whisper she went out of the post office blindly with the precious missive tightly clasped in her trembling hand would she go of course she would even though it meant facing grandmother aunt matilda and all the dogs of war as the first impulse faded she became more cautious and began to consider ways and means it was obviously impossible to wear brown gingham or brown alpaca to a tea-party that meant that she must somehow get her old white muslin down from the attic iron it mend it and freshen it up as best she could she had no doubt of her ability to do it for both old ladies were sound sleepers and rosemary had learned to step lightly in bare feet upon secret errands around the house at night but how could she hope to escape unobserved on saturday afternoon and even if she managed to get away what of the inevitable return why not for once make a bold declaration of independence and say calmly grandmother i am going to mrs marsh's saturday afternoon at four and i am going to wear my white dress not may i go or may i wear it but i am going and i am going to wear it at the thought rosemary shuddered and her soul quailed within her she knew that she would never dare to do it at the critical moment her courage would fail her and she would stay at home perhaps she could wear the brown gingham if it were fresh and clean and she pinned at her throat a bow of the faded pink ribbon she had found in her mother's trunk in the attic and if it should happen to rain saturday or even look like rain so much the better anyhow she would go even in the brown gingham so much she decided upon yet with all her heart she longed for the white dress the only thing she had which even approached daintiness an old saying came back to her in which she had found consolation many times before when an insurmountable obstacle presents itself sometimes there is a way around it and again take one step forward whenever there is a foothold and trust to god for the next that night at supper 
aunt matilda electrified grandmother with a bit of news which she had jealously kept to herself all day the milkman was telling me she remarked with an assumed carelessness which deceived no one that there's company up to marshes grandmother dropped her knife and fork with a sharp clatter you don't tell me she cried who in creation is it i was minded to tell you before aunt matilda resumed with tantalizing deliberation but you've had your nose in that fool paper all day and whenever i spoke to you you told me not to interrupt literary folks is terrible afraid of bein interrupted i've heard so i let you alone i didn't know it was anything important murmured grandmother apologetically how could you know questioned matilda logically before i told you what it was there being no ready answer to this grandmother responded with a snort which meant much or little as one might choose a dull red burned on her withered cheeks and she had lost interest in her supper only rosemary was calm as i was sayin matilda went on after an aggravating silence there's company up to marshes seems to me grandmother grunted that she'd be better payin up the call she owes in the neighbourhood than entertainin strangers this shaft pierced a vulnerable spot in matilda's armour of self-esteem for she still smarted under madame marsh's neglect the milkman says it's a woman her name's miss lee she come a week ago and last saturday she was to the post office and up the river road all the afternoon in that old phaethon with young marsh rosemary's heart paused for a moment then resumed its beat she's a play-actin person he says or at any rate she looks like one which amounts to the same thing she's brought four trunks with her one respectable trunk same as anybody might have one big square trunk that looks like a dog-house and another big trunk that a person could move into if there wasn't no other house handy and another trunk that was packed so full that it had bulged out on all sides but one and when jim and dick took it up into the attic there wasn't but one side they could set it on and whiles they was findin a place to set it she and young marsh was laughin down in the hall who is she demanded grandmother where did she come from how long is she goin to stay where'd miss marsh get to know her the milkman's wife was over last monday matilda continued to help with the washin and she says she never see such clothes in all her born days nor so many of em they was mostly lace and she had two white petticoats in the wash the stocking was all silk and she said she never see such nightgowns they was fine enough for best summer dresses and all lace and one of em had a blue satin bow on it and what was the strangest of all was that there warn't no place to get into em they was made just like stockings with no feet to em and if she wore em she'd have to crawl in either at the bottom or the top she said she never see the beat of those nightgowns do tell ejaculated grandmother and her hair looks as if she ain't never combed it since the day she was born the milkman says it looks about like a hen's nest and is pretty much the same colour he see her on the porch for a minute and all he could look at was that hair and when he passed him on the river road after they come from the post office he couldn't see her hair at all cause she had on a big hat tied on with some thin light blue stuff he reckoned maybe her hair was a wig 
i'd know whether twas a wig or not if i saw it once grandmother muttered there ain't nobody that can fool me about false hair i guess you ain't likely to see it retorted matilda viciously all we'll ever hear about her'll be from the milk folks maybe i could see her ventured rosemary cautiously i could put on my best white dress and go see mrs marsh to-morrow or next day after i get the work done up i could find out who she was and all about her and come back and tell you for an instant the stillness was intense then both women turned to her you they said scornfully in the same breath yes said grandmother after an impressive pause i reckon you'll be puttin on your best dress and goin up to marsh's to see a play-actin woman you'd have lots to do continued aunt matilda goin to see a woman what ain't seen fit to return a call your aunt made on her more'n five years ago Oomph. grandmother snorted the very idea exclaimed aunt matilda what had seemed to rosemary like an open path had merely led to an insurmountable stone wall she shrugged her shoulders good-humouredly very well she said i'm sure i don't care suit yourselves she began to clear away the supper dishes for though the others had eaten little they had apparently finished out in the kitchen she sang as she worked and only a close observer would have detected a tremor in the sweet untrained soprano anyway thought rosemary i'll put on the flat irons the fire she had built would not go out for some hours she had used coal ruinously in order to heat the oven for a special sort of tea-biscuit of which grandmother was very fond while the fire was going out it would heat the irons and then one step forward whenever there is a foothold she said to herself and trust to god for the next that night as fortune would have it grandmother and aunt matilda elected to sit up late solving a puzzle in the household guardian for which a mission rocker was offered as a prize it was long past ten o'clock when they gave it up i dunno yawned aunt matilda as i'm partial to rockers leastways continued grandmother rising to put her spectacles on the mantel to the kind they give missionaries i've seen the things they send missionaries more'n once in my time by eleven the household slept except rosemary as silently as a ghost she made her way to the attic brought down the clean white muslin and with iron scarcely hot enough pressed it into some semblance of freshness she hung it in her closet under the brown alpaca of two seasons past and went to sleep peacefully bright and early the next morning the idea presented itself why not put on the white gown with one of the brown ones over it and take off the brown one when she got there mrs marsh would understand rosemary laughed happily as she climbed out of bed surely there was more than one way of cheating fate that afternoon while the others took their accustomed forty winks she brought down the faded pink ribbon that had been her mother's that night she discovered that neither of the brown ginghams would go over the white muslin as they had shrunk when they were washed but that the alpaca would there was not even a bit of white showing beneath the skirt as she had discovered by tilting her mirror perilously forward she was up early saturday morning and baked and swept and dusted to such good purpose that by three o'clock there was nothing more that any one could think of for her to do until it was time to get supper she had put the white gown on under the alpaca when she dressed in the morning as it was the only opportunity of which she was at all sure 
grandmother and aunt matilda were nodding in their chairs the kitchen clock struck the half-hour finally rosemary spoke is there anything either of you would like me to get at the store no said grandmother no echoed aunt matilda then she added why were you thinking of going out i thought i would said rosemary with a yawn if there was nothing more for me to do it's such a nice day and i'd like a breath of fresh air for a moment fate hung in the balance then grandmother said generously go on rosemary and get all the fresh air you want you've worked better'n common to-day i should think you'd be tired enough to stay home and rest aunt matilda commented fretfully but the door had closed on the last word and rosemary was gone but april's sun strikes down the glades to-day so shut your eyes upturned and feel my kiss creep as the spring now thrills through every spray up your warm throat to your warm lips the beautiful words sang themselves through her memory as she sped on she had forgotten about the guest for the moment remembering with joy that almost hurt the one word mother and the greater probable joy that overshadowed it of course he would be there why not when he knew she was coming to tea and when they had a guest too the girl's heart beat tumultuously as she neared the house for through it in great tides surged fear and ecstasy and love madame herself opened the door come in dear oh mrs marsh please just a minute mrs marsh again i thought we were mother and daughter edith she called then in the next moment rosemary found herself in the living-room offering a rough red hand to an exquisite creature who seemed a blurred mass of pale green and burnished gold redolent of violets and who murmured in a beautifully modulated contralto how do you do miss starr i am very glad to meet you the consciousness of the white gown underneath filled rosemary's eyes with tears of mortification which madame hastened to explain it's raw and cold still she said in spite of the calendar these keen spring winds make one's eyes water here my dear have a cup of tea rosemary took the cup with her hands that trembled and while she sipped the amber fragrance of it struggled hard for self-possession madame ignored her for the moment and chatted pleasantly with edith then alden came in and shook hands kindly with rosemary though he had been secretly annoyed when he learned she was coming afterward he had a bad quarter of an hour with himself while he endeavoured to find out why at last he had shifted the blame to edith deciding that she would think rosemary awkward and countrified and that it would not be pleasant for him to stand by and see it however the most carping critic could have found no fault with edith's manner if she felt any superiority she did not show it she accorded to rosemary the same perfect courtesy she showed madame and apparently failed to notice that the girl had not spoken since the moment of introduction she confined the conversation wholly to things rosemary must have been familiar with the country the cool winds that sometimes came when one thought it was almost summer the perfect blend of madame's tea the quaint chinese pot and the bad manners of the canary who seemed to take a fiendish delight in scattering the seed that was given him to eat rosemary merely sat in the corner tried to smile and said as required yes or no alden pitying her from the depths of his heart and yet secretly ashamed tried unsuccessfully now and then to draw her into the conversation edith drained her cup affected disappointment at finding no stray leaves by which she might divine the future 
then went to rosemary and took the empty cup which she sat holding with pathetic awkwardness you have none either miss starr she said sweetly suppose we try the crystal ball i've been wanting to do it ever since i came but was afraid to venture alone rosemary her senses whirling followed her over to the table where the ball lay on its bit of black velvet how do you do it asked edith of madame just get into a good light shade your eyes and look in that's easy edith said she bent over the table shaded her eyes with her white beautifully kept hands and peered into the crystalline depths there's nothing here she continued somewhat fretfully to alden except you by some trick of reflection i could see you as plainly as though it were a mirror you try miss starr madame's heart contracted suddenly as she remembered the day she had looked into the crystal ball and had seen not only alden but a woman with flaming red hair clasped closely in his arms it's all nonsense she tried to say but her stiff lips would not move rosemary left the table and went back to her corner what did you see queried edith did you have any better luck than i did no rosemary answered with a degree more of self-possession than she had shown previously there was nothing there but a black cloud the task of keeping up the conversation fell to edith and alden for madame had unconsciously withdrawn into herself as some small animals shut themselves into their shells all were relieved though insensibly when rosemary said she must go alden went into the hall with her to help her with her coat and hat and as opportunity offered to kiss her twice shyly on her cheek he wanted to go part way home with her but rosemary refused you'd better not she said but thank you just as much won't you even let me go to the corner with you no said rosemary with trembling lips please don't so she went on alone while alden returned to the living-room edith was saying to madame poor little brown mouse how one longs to take a girl like that and give her all the pretty things she needs madame took the crystal ball wrapped it in its bit of velvet and put it on the highest shelf of the bookcase rolling it back behind the books out of sight why do you do that mother asked alden curiously because returned madame grimly it's all nonsense i won't have it around any more alden laughed but edith went on thoughtfully i'd like to do her hair for her and see that all her underthings were right and then put her into a crepe gown of dull blue a sort of chinese blue with a great deal of deep-toned lace for trimming and give her a topaz pendant set in dull silver and a big picture hat of ecru net with a good deal of the lace on it and one long plume a little lighter than the gown i would too said alden smiling at edith he did not in the least know what she was talking about but he knew that she felt kindly toward rosemary and was grateful for it rosemary at home went about her duties mechanically there was a far-away look in her eyes which did not escape the notice of grandmother and aunt matilda but they forbore to comment upon it as long as she performed her tasks acceptably at supper she ate very little and that little was as dust and ashes in her mouth before her continually was a heart-breaking contrast she awkward ugly ill at ease in brown alpaca made according to the fashion of ten or fifteen years ago and mrs lee beautiful exquisite dainty to her finger-tips 
richly dowered with every conceivable thing that she herself lacked mother said rosemary to herself oh mother she did not mean mrs marsh but the pretty girlish mother who had died in giving birth to her she would have been like mrs lee or prettier and she would have understood her heart smarted and burned and ached but she got through the evening somehow and at the appointed time stumbled up to her own room why should she care because another woman was prettier than she knew more and had more were there not many such in the world and had she not alden accidentally rosemary came upon the cause of her pain of course she had alden for always unless then once more reassurance came she's married said rosemary smiling back at the white frightened face she saw in the mirror she's married the thought carried with it so much comfort that presently rosemary slept peacefully exhausted as she was by the stress of the afternoon she's married was her last conscious thought and a smile lingered upon her lips as she slept she had not enough worldly wisdom to know that other things being equal a married woman may be a dangerous rival having the unholy charm of the unattainable and the sanction of another man's choice End of chapter 10